Transform the way you hunt with the all-new Bay cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show this week. This is the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast, and I am your host, John Hutspeth. I hope everybody's having a fantastic week. Mine was super long. Uh, This was my first week back to work after having the baby, and so first time having to, you know, stay up quite a bit during the night taking care of the baby, and then also have to go function at work, and it is much harder than I anticipated. So, so yeah, please continue to pray for my wife and I as we, as we, uh, you know, continue to raise our little child and also try to function out there in the world. So, thank you guys for that. Um, we got a pretty short intro this week because we have an awesome, awesome episode. Um, kind of worked out great. Uh, I actually had uh, a guest, unfortunately, have to back out on me at the last second and so i uh, put a quick little shout out on my instagram and johnny griffin who was on just uh, uh two or three weeks ago uh messaged me back and we kind of had the idea to get him and uh josh garut who's been on before also um we had the idea to get them on on the same time and it turned out to be i think this is going to be one of the coolest podcasts i've actually done and so uh what started out as a little bit of a tragedy turned into something awesome and i think you guys are really really going to enjoy it so real quick though before we get into that couple quick announcements um i think i threw it on the the tail end of last week's podcast but I have been asked to speak at the National Wild Turkey Federation's Deer Expo this summer. That is August 13th. I believe you do have to pre-register. And so if you're listening to this, get on there. Spaces are limited. Um, So get on there and sign up for that. I want to say it's $35. Um, They have several classes throughout the day, Um, especially if you're like a, a newer hunter Um, or even if you're an advanced hunter, I know they have like an advanced rifle hunting class. Um, they have like beginner archery, beginner muzzleloader. They have biology classes like deer 101, 102 type classes. So honestly, no matter what your skill level is, if you are interested or love whitetail deer hunting, uh, it's going to be the spot for you. Uh, that same weekend also is the one nation outdoor expo. And uh, Josh is going to talk a little bit more about that uh, during the podcast. Uh, he, he's now a part of that. So, yeah, just wanted to shout out those two events coming up. Uh, what else? Uh, other than that, personally, man, it is still super hot, still super dry. Um, we missed a lot of the, the rain that came through this last week. Uh, I had cows break into my feeder pen and empty my feeder. And so the cows destroying stuff, the sun's destroying stuff, so... It's just, uh, yeah, it is what it is, but um, still going to be a good deer season, still looking forward to it, and uh, I hope you guys are also. So, uh, man, I feel like I'm missing, oh, I was going to give a quick shout out. Uh, last week I mentioned that I you know, might be hunting Nebraska. Um, long story short, we actually talked about it a little bit more in this episode, but I have a future episode uh, that I'm going to really dive into it with an awesome guest y'all should be uh, looking forward to. But uh, my sister got married a couple years ago, married a Nebraska farm boy, and this last, uh, I guess, December, they actually moved back up there. 
and uh, they're going to be living on the family farm. They're about to start building a house. Uh, and so basically I have an open invitation to go up there and hunt. And so uh, thanks to Eric from Illinois, he messaged me. Uh, I was talking about how the tag was so expensive, and uh, apparently I was wrong, which is great, uh, great news. Uh, and Eric messaged me and told me that's actually quite a bit cheaper. And so I believe that is going to be a go. So this will be my first early season velvet whitetail hunt and i am super duper excited about it um like i said we talked about it a little bit towards the end of this episode and then i've already reached out to a guest that i think you guys are going to be very excited about uh, to talk about it some more so so yeah thank you eric um thank you josh and johnny for coming on the show this week we're going to be tackling uh mostly public land whitetail stuff uh not all of it's directly public some of it you know kind of works either way Um, But basically what we got going on here is Johnny is going to answer the question from more of a traditional tree stand type uh, scenario. And then Josh is going to answer it from more of a mobile setup. Josh does a lot of ground hunting. He hunts Kansas, Iowa, Nebraska, as well as Oklahoma. And so it's going to be really cool. Basically, I'm asking them both the same question, and they're each answering it from their different perspectives. So I think it turned out awesome. Uh, I really think you guys are going to enjoy it. So that's what we have today. Like I said, it's going to turned out to be an awesome episode. Thank you, Johnny and Josh, for coming on. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show, and we have a very, very special episode today. We got a, a double header, uh, as you might say. We got two special guests today. We got Johnny Griffin and Josh Garut. Uh, how you guys doing today? Pretty good. How doing you well, doing, man? Ah, oh, doing great, doing great. And y'all both been on before, so looking forward to having you guys back. And I think we got a pretty awesome little setup going on here today. But before we get too far into that, uh, I'm going to let y'all introduce yourselves real quick. Josh, why don't you kick us off? All right, I'm Josh Groot. You know, some of you guys may have heard me before uh, on here, but the guys that haven't, I'm from Muskogee. I'm an electric lineman, uh, and I love to bow hunt. Yeah, and I'm Johnny Griffin, and I'm also from the Muskogee area, and uh, I'm the director of marketing for a home health and hospice agency here in Northeast Oklahoma, and uh, I love to bow hunt as well. Perfect, perfect. So, so guys, we got a pretty cool thing going on here today. We're going to be talking about whitetail deer hunting. Uh, you know, we're getting later in the year, season's coming up, everybody's chomping at the bit. I know I am. And uh, so I got just some, some kind of general questions here that we're going to lay out. Uh, some of these are are covered a lot in the whitetail space, some of them not so much. Um, but kind of the goal here is, uh, you know, Johnny, you're kind of more of your traditional tree stand guy, um, you know, timber, rolling terrain, stuff like that. Uh, Josh, you're kind of making your a name yeah. for yourself as more the the open country, ground and pound, you know, on the grounds type stuff. So uh, basically what I'd like to do is ask you both the same question, and then see how each of you answer it from kind of your different perspectives. So if that works for you guys, we're going to jump on into it. Sounds good. Awesome. So uh, I, I think we drew straws, and I think, uh, I think Johnny, you, you drew the short straw, so I'm going to let you go first on this first question. So, uh, All right. <laughs> I, I want to talk about just kind of where you start. So uh, whether it's a public piece, a private piece, um, you're looking at some place, or you know, you got permission, or it's public, and you're going to go hunt there. Just where do you start? You know, what are you kind of looking for to to where you might go in and try that first hunt? Yeah, as far as public goes, um, I think your first step is going to be to get on 
on with the wildlife department and find out where the areas are, then get with the, uh, the regulations and find out what is allowable there. Because I know there's certain spots here in Northeast Oklahoma that you can only bow hunt in, and there's spots that you can rifle hunt in. I mean, it's just different for every different piece of public. And so that would be your first step and see where you can hunt and where, where it's legal. So learn your regulations first. And then from there, find out which piece of public that you're interested in, whether it's a WMA, GMA, or Coreland or whatever it might be. And just like I mentioned on the last podcast, get on uh, Onyx. And Josh knows how much I live on Onyx. I'm on there every night. So, um, yeah, so get on Onyx, look at your uh, ravines and look at your uh, terrain and see just places that – and I like to get on Onyx and find a spot where you've got a piece of land and then there's a huge piece of private land surrounding it. So you know it's not getting hunted as hard as like Ken – like little other pieces of private land around it to where you've got lots of these other landowners and you're getting all the hunting access from each piece of property there. So if you get a big piece of property that busts up against that, that, uh, public land, I mean, that's my, that's my first like genuine like thought on it. And so I'll go from there and then just get on it and bounce back before back and forth between that and, uh, Google earth and just finding those, spots that you find or honey holes and then mark them on onyx and then go and put in a boot on the ground and go and check it out so that's my first step gotcha i got one quick uh secondary question to that um when you when it is time to go in um let's say you get to spot a you know the first spot you had picked out if you're not liking what you see uh are you still going to go ahead and set up there and try it out or are you going to try to bump over to spot b if it's not too far away um it just depends on if it's in the middle of the season and depending on the time of day and if I've got time, but like if I like spot A, I get there and I'm not crazy about it, then if I've got time, I'll check out this other spot. But if not, I might just throw a camera up and go ahead and hunt it. And then the next time I go out, I'm going to check out spot B and leave that camera there so I can see what's going on whenever I'm not there. And then the next time I go out, I'll, do, I'll hunt there. So gotcha. it's kind of how I, I personally do it. Okay. Awesome. All right, Josh, we're going to kick it over to you. What are you looking for when you first go out on a piece of property? Well, I guess I'm going to go ahead and give away some of my secrets here. <laughs> um, for the most part, since we're talking about public, kind of like kind of like what, what Johnny said, um, like out of state, like as far as like your Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, which I don't know much about Missouri, but more like Nebraska, um, you can contact their wildlife department, and they'll actually send you a book, and the book has all the – walk-in hunting it has like a i guess you call it like a legend and tells you like what you can and can't hunt right kind of like what john was talking about that's how we used to do it back in the old days before onyx so i would study me and my dad would study that and then we would circle you know where we what thought we looked good like big chunks and stuff and we'd get on google earth so now onyx makes it a little bit easier but you can still contact the wildlife department and get those books and they'll mail them to you and uh, they're still good to use. Sometimes you don't get service. You can pull them out and see where you're at. But that, get on Google Earth. I bounce back and forth between Google Earth and Onyx as well, like John Johnny said. And uh, on Google Earth, you can actually, there's a, a deal in there where you can select, like, uh, certain time, uh, times they took images, like in the summertime, like in the wintertime, and, uh, like, in, like, mid-season. And you can kind of, like, get the 
you can see what it looks like in the summertime versus like the wintertime and, and it helps you kind of see the terrain a little bit better, like the, the bigger trees in certain spots. If you're, you know, you know, I can't describe the Candace and, you know, look at it or, or Nebraska, I gotta, you know, it's, it's too far away. So that helps me from the start right there, just kind of get an idea of what something looks like. When I get up, say like, uh, if I'm out of, going out of state, my first day when I get somewhere, I got an area, I kind of got it mapped out where I'm going to be looking at. So usually that first day we get there about, we tried to time it where we're going to get there about midday, noon. So we can kind of drive around and look and see where everybody's parked at, if anybody's hunting, and then get settled in a little bit, stop by the motel. And then that evening, we're driving around glass and taking notes of where we're seeing doe at where I'm seeing a few, you know, small bucks at, you know, or if we see big bucks, mainly just taking inventory of what deer we're seeing, where we're seeing them at, where they're coming from, where trucks are parked at, who's hunting, you know, looking at places, uh, okay, people's been parking here a bunch, kind of taking inventory there where people have been hunting at as well. And so the next day, that morning, we get up early, kind of do the same thing, where we're seeing deer at, where are they coming from, where are they going to, where the trucks parked at this morning. That's the main thing that um, I do off the bat when I'm when I'm hunting hunting public out of state. As far as in state, um, same thing. On X, Google Earth. Um, I'm looking for pinch points, draws. Uh, really studying the train to how they're going to travel, where they're traveling to and from, and how how they would do it. Um, you don't have a lot of crop fields here in uh, Oklahoma on, or I say well, Oklahoma, southeast Oklahoma. A lot of crop fields, it's more mountainous type stuff. So, really like the terrain is um, you got to kind of have to train a little more. It's a little bit different hunting. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of how I start off is is that, and then that's how I start off almost the same way Johnny does. Mm-hmm. Yep. One of you's putting boots on yeah, the ground, the other's sure. putting wheels on the asphalt. Yeah, exactly. And I like to talk about earlier. One thing that I I do a lot is whenever you go out to public land checking for those tire tracks if you're going and parking at a spot where you can tell there's been a hundred trucks parked there i'm personally going to go and find a spot where there hadn't been as many as much uh activity there mm-hmm. I, I like going where there's not been a lot of people mm-hmm. so that's definitely yeah another thing i failed to mention that josh mentioned that's that's huge another thing is uh, people get too, I think people get stuck on, and I used to do it on like a spot, oh, there's not very many trees here, you know, so I can't I can't hunt here or whatever, you know, there's, there's not just a whole lot of big trees and stuff. And nine out of ten times, no one's hunting that spot, and there's going to be a big buck hanging out in there just because it like, could be like a small piece of public, just, you know, 20 acres or, or 30 acres, but it, it could be holding a big deer in there and no one's hunting it because it's too small. So don't don't be afraid to look at something that's out of your ordinary that, that doesn't look good to you because it could be good. Um, so that's one thing I've learned is, man, this don't really look that good, but I got some time. I, I just, no one's been hunting it. I don't see any tracks here or whatever. I'm going to go and look at this and nine out of 10 times, there's a big deer in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I liked your, uh, I liked your Google earth tip too. I've, I've gone back in time, you know, before, but I've always used it to look at, you know, has this grown up or has this been cut? You know, something like that. I've never thought about trying to find it, you know, in specific seasons to see what the vegetation is like. That's, that's a good tip. Yep. 
All right, so uh, I guess, Josh, you're first on this one. Uh, I want to talk about cameras a little bit real quick. Um, I guess the first question is just, you know, do you use cameras on public land? And if so, you know, where are you putting them? uh, And how are you using that information? Uh, Most public lands, in Oklahoma at least, uh, you're not allowed to bait on. And so, you know, where are you setting those cameras up? And then let's say you get a picture of a good buck. How are you using that to then kill that buck? I believe in Oklahoma, you can put out mineral, straight mm-hmm. mineral. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And uh, so in Oklahoma, and like when I go to when I go out of state, usually I don't I don't really run cameras that much mm-hmm. unless I just have one and there's like a, just a beat down trail. And I just want to see if bucks are cruising through there. But normally, I just I'm just putting, uh, like you said, tires to asphalt. Mm-hmm. But as far as Oklahoma, when I hunt Oklahoma, man, I. A lot of times I'll just find a spot on, like I said, those pinch points on, on the terrain, how, the, how I think the deer are going to travel like around the big ridge, you know, a couple bent. They're always, to me, I seem like I find the bigger deer a couple benches down from the top. Um, not right at the top, but usually there's, there's like two or three benches. Usually that middle bench is where I'm going to find most of my deer at it. And uh, I'll try to work in somewhere where there's a middle bench like that, where tra- I think they're traveling, and, and I'll set a camera up, and I'll usually wait two to three weeks before I go back in there and check it. And um, I'm usually had pretty good luck here early season finding them like that. And um, if the weather's right in October, you can really pattern our deer really, really well. And a lot of times you find these big bucks are where hanging out early. You might not get on them early season, but late season, like in December, January, they're going to come back to that. They're going to come back to their summer yeah. range, and that's mm-hmm. that's when you can kill them. Yep. Yep. But see, as far as like my, my lease now, we, me and me and Johnny actually are on a lease together. We just got a lease this last year. And I don't know if you do that or not, but uh, we got some really big deer on there. And we, we run quite a few cameras on it. Now we have, we do have feeders set up and stuff. We're feeding protein year round. And I, we have actually have uh, cameras on our protein feeders right now, just taking inventory. And I've just recently, this last uh, weekend, I went and set some mineral out in some spots trying to find on these benches, trying to find where the big bucks are hanging out. Our big bucks we had last year aren't hitting our, our mineral or our protein right now. So I'm actually trying to find their home range. So late season I can get back on, maybe get a, maybe get a crack at them. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. I, uh, I, I had one protein feeder going. I was actually feeding, I'll give a little secret of my own. I was feeding dairy pellets, uh, like, uh, for dairy huh. cows, uh, high in protein and high in calcium and cheaper than your average protein. Usually right now, that's, they're pretty that's high. probably, that's probably the same stuff we're feeding. We're actually feeding like a four in one blend Got and it. we get it down here at the, we get it at the feed store down there. Yep. Exactly. Buy it, we buy it, buy it in bulk. Uh, yep. But, uh, this last yep, week, we bought, I think we, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, we, we have a, we end up going in together and everybody on the lease, we bought like a, uh, a buggy trailer holds about two tons and we we leave at the lease so whoever's down there can go go in there and fill it up and go fill all the feeders up and not have to go buy bags and stuff nice that's awesome yeah the uh the the back where i do most of my deer hunting we typically don't have any cows back there in the summer but with the drought my brother opened the gate last friday and uh on i think <laughs> tuesday those cows 
smelt that stuff and they they <laughs> went right through my feet. I had a pretty decent fever too. <laughs> they went right through it and drained that sucker. So I'm, uh, I'm going oh to wait to refill it till the cows are out of there. But uh, anyway, uh, Johnny, uh, what, what question are we on here? The cameras, yeah, Johnny. What about you and trail cameras? cameras. Yeah. So uh, I I definitely uh, do run trail cameras because I hunt a lot of public land here in uh, northeast Oklahoma. And uh, like Josh said earlier, and like what you mentioned, you can put mineral, but you can't put a uh, feed out. So you can put the mineral out. But I typically, uh, I really don't even mess with the mineral just because of packing it in and stuff. And But um, I will go and find a spot that I'm seeing lots of, lots of sign, lots of activity. And a lot of times I'll put two trail cameras on one tree, one face in one direction, one face in the next direction, the other direction trying to get the whole uh, 360 in that spot. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I do. And then um, if I see, find a good community scrape or a good scrape, I'll put a camera on that without a doubt and just kind of see the inventory and see how often deer are coming through. And I found some really great spots doing that. So that's kind of what I do. Um, and it's been pretty successful for me. found some really good deer. And I've actually, in this part of the state, it's hard to pattern deer a lot in uh all these rolling hills and trees there's not really fields yeah. not like mm-hmm. kansas missouri nebraska stuff like that these deer it's, it's different so if you can pattern a deer in these in this territory it's pretty awesome and these last two years i this will be the third year i've been chasing this really good deer uh on a piece of public here in northeast oklahoma and he'll this year i'm hoping he'll hit if he has a good growing season he'll be around the 160 mark and uh, yep. if he's done the same thing the last this year they've done the last two years i think i have a pretty good shot at him so we're gonna find out awesome awesome yeah hey another thing i'd like to i'd like to mention uh sorry john i cut you off you're good no i was gonna say uh like kind of like what john said um on the uh putting two trail cameras on a tree Mm -hmm. last year i put a trail camera facing the outside of one of our pins on our lease and i got a lot of pictures of bucks the that I didn't have going into the pen, they're just cruising trying to pick up pick up, you know, scent of a doe. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. If you're using these cameras, like, oh, I ain't got a picture of this buck. He, he ain't showing up on my camera. Then at ten times, he's probably in the area. He just not he's just looking for doe. He ain't gonna he's not coming to your your feed or he's coming by there, but he's not he's not hungry coming to eat mm-hmm. or he's not you know he's he's there just because you ain't got a picture of him. Don't don't think he's not in the area. So that's a that's a good idea having two cameras. Mm-hmm facing opposite directions because he he might pass on it well if he passes on the other side of the tree you got him yeah that was actually, you know, that was actually, and tomorrow he may pass tomorrow he may say tomorrow he may pass on the other side of the tree yeah that's actually what i was starting to say when you when you started I'd, i've thought so many times about doing that about putting you know two cameras yeah. on the same post or tree or whatever but then you know it always ends up it's like well i'd rather have another camera over in this spot instead of two in one spot but one of these days i'm gonna right. i'm gonna do that and just let them both run all season and, and compare the the notes between the two of them so yeah that's a good tip right. yeah that's a good idea johnny I've, I've never i've never put one on the same tree out there like that but i'd have on the pin put one facing outside the pin but i've never done two trees that's that's a good idea yeah i like mm-hmm. i like the pin thing too though because i've you know i've just sitting in the stand watching you know i've seen a lot of bucks come in and and killed a couple bucks that came in you know they walked up to the pin sniffed around then walked off again so yeah yeah, yeah. and that's big mature deer a lot of times they'll come up to the feeder but they won't even go and touch the feed they're just they're big for a reason so they'll come and kind of check it out and see what 
check out the does to see if any of them are hot. But it's uh, those big ones get big for a reason. That's right. Yep. All right. Well, uh, Johnny, I think we're back to you. Um, so buck bedding is a super sexy term going through the industry right now. Uh, you know, it's a hot topic. Some people are saying, you know, get as close to bedding as you possibly can. Other people are saying stay away from the bedding, give them that area. Um, I just want to kind of hear your thoughts on it. You know, does that play into your strategy? Um, if so, how, uh, what do you think about buck bedding? Yeah. So, uh, man, this time of year, I don't, I don't like going in there and educating the, the deer. So, I mean, whenever you go just bumping them and push them around and then going in close to the bedding early season, early season, you're sweating on your way to your stand. And so why go out there and educate those deer? Like personally, this is just my opinion. Early season, I, unless I've got something targeted, which it's really hard to find a, a buck, get him on his pattern and, go after him early season it's just it's super hard i mean i haven't personally even done it yet i mean i'd love to but i just haven't had that opportunity so early season typically me i'm going and finding a spot where there's a lot of does and i'm getting my my meat to my freezer early in the season i'll go and get me two or three does early october and then once pre-rut starts rolling around that's whenever i'll start like all right i'm gonna get in here and try to find where they're traveling from bedding and going and hunting your terrain and your ridges and stuff like that because that's when the deer are starting to move a little bit more so that's when that's kind of how i do it i just and then going and hunting certain winds like you don't want to get in there close to the bedding and then have a bad wind or just leaving your stand in there so personally i i don't booger the bedding if i can avoid it because and i found on the spot where i'm hunting out in uh public here northeast oklahoma I think I found a really good bedding area last uh, March, April, because um, we had found seven sheds in about a uh, probably a three-acre plot. Hmm. Uh, and this is in the middle of the timber, just, I mean, straight timber. So it's hard to find sheds when it's like that. Whenever you find you some sheds like that, that, I feel like that's their honing area. They were there late season, so they're probably there right now. I, so I'm. That's just my opinion. So I'm not even going to go in there and booger that spot up just because I don't want to bump them out of there and just cause a ruckus on public land because they've, they're already dealing with lots of other people. So I would just rather leave it and give it the least amount of pressure as possible. Mm-hmm. That's probably just Bigfoot going in there and piling those sheds up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Josh, what about you? What do you think about buck bedding? Man, I'm kind of I'm kind of on the early season. I agree with Johnny. I think a lot of guys, and I've been I've been guilty of it myself. They get the itch early, and it, it's usually hot. Those last few years, it's always hot. We want to go, so we go out there and we, we get in our stand and we sweat, you know, from head to toe. And we get in there, and and we probably don't even know that we're running our spot, but we're educating a big buck. And I will say, once a buck, a big mature buck, knows he's being hunted, it's going to make him it's dang near impossible to kill him. I'm not saying it's not, but it's close. Once, especially once he knows he's been hunted, I, I believe. So early season, if I don't have, if I don't just have a buck that is, I mean, regular to the feeder or if he's regular coming through a trail every day that I'm on traveling, you know, I'm probably not going to be pushing in there, in there to kill him. I'm going to be, I'm going to be trying to get my does. But then, you know, if we just some good weather early season, 
yeah, I'm going to be bumping in there, but I'm not, I'm probably won't, I'm probably not going to push close to betting early. More than likely, I'm going to wait till later in the season and probably after the rut when I'm, if I haven't killed yeah. one yet, that's when I'm going to be pushing the limit to try to get close to their, to their betting. You know, if it's getting down to the wire, I know he's in there. I've got pictures of him coming and going. I know he's in there. I just can't quite get on him. That's when I'm going to push the limit to get closer to their betting area. Little by little, yeah. I'm playing the wind. It's got to be perfect. I'm going to go now. If I'm if I'm spotting and stalking, yeah, I'm going to be right. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. waiting for them to bed. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm going right to them when they bed. <laughs> but as far as far as like the timber and stuff, like this in um, Southeast Oklahoma, a lot of times, I mean, I spotted and stalked a buck last year in Oklahoma, and I should have killed him. I just I just misjudged the range, and I and I I missed him flat out. Missed him. Um, so I mean it, it's it's doable. I think uh, they were up milling around, and I just happened to stumble upon. I was kind of scouting, and I stumbled upon the, their betting, I guess. And I so I snuck in close, and I missed. Yeah. I don't I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it it can make or break you. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Josh, right. I, I got a, a part B for you, Josh. Let's say you're in Kansas, and it's you know CRP. You got big chunks of CRP and stuff. Is there anything in that that says a buck will bed here? You know, is there, like, are you looking for maybe a drop-off or any type of maybe a little bit different vegetation? You know, if you got, let's say, a you know 160-acre chunk of, of CRP, what's what's making you say, I'm going to check this spot? Yeah, a lot of times if, they, if you can see, like, um, I don't know really what they're called. They're called, like, uh, I guess, irrigation dikes. If they got that stuff in it, a lot of times it's all CRP. In between those two irrigation dikes is going to be like a little dip, and that grass is going to be like six foot tall in that. I guarantee you, I almost put money on every time, especially if you, especially if you see a lot of deer in the area. There, there's going to be a buck with a doe bedded in that almost every every day. May not be the same buck, but there'll be bucks in it. Every, I mean, every day if there's deer in the area, that they're going to bed there, hundred percent. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. I'm just. I mean, it, I'm just looking for. It's got to be thick CRP. If it can. You don't. There's some fields that are real spotty and stuff, and you kind of see through the grass. Man, you might get a doe or something in there, but a big buck's gonna wants the thick. I'm talking like the real thick stuff, CRP, real, real thick, tall stuff. That's what I'm looking for. Gotcha, gotcha. Alrighty. Uh, let's see here. I think uh, Josh. I think you're up on this one. Uh, I want to talk about wind. Um, you know, no matter what type of hunting you're doing. When it comes to whitetail, the wind is super important. Uh, you know, a lot of people, it's what they base everything off of. Um, so just how does the wind play into your hunting strategy? Uh, and again, Josh, you know, maybe on this one you take kind of more of the open ground, and then uh, Johnny can do more yeah. of the, the thick timber stuff. Um, but just how does wind play into what you're doing? Yeah, uh, so if I'm open country spotting and stalking, I mean, that's the first thing you're checking. I mean, there's no, if the wind's wrong, you're just wasting your time. You need, you need to need to go somewhere else or you can sit there. If it's a 200 inch deer, I'm going to watch him all day long, especially if he's on public. But if the wind, you, I mean, when I get up in the morning out of my motel, I already know what the wind's going to be doing. Cause I've walked, I've looked at it all night long, you know, trying to base my, how I'm going to be driving to go look at these spots of public on how the wind is. Mm-hmm. That way, when I get out of my truck, if I, if I see one in bed, I, can, I don't have to move my truck around and lose sight of him to kind of move on him. I already kind of have the wind in my favor uh, on how the roads are, are crossing these pieces of public where I can go with the wind right into my face. So if, if the wind's not in my face, 
you know, I'm going to them. There's, there's no point in stalking them. I mean, they, they, I mean, you can't beat a deer's nose. They're just, I mean, the other stuff that help you, I believe, you know, the ozone stuff helps. Um, there's scent spray and stuff that helps, but I mean, you can't, you can't get everything. I mean, your breath, your body, I mean, when you're sweating out there, I mean, you just, you got to have the wind. The wind is, the wind can hurt you and it can help you. And, and spotting and stalking, I think the wind is, is your favorite thing to have. I mean, you want wind. Because it helps you sneak in there, and if it's blowing hard, you can just walk right to them with it in your face a lot of times, and you don't even have to have that much cover. They'll have, they're going to have their kind of heads down out of it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Johnny, you're hunting thick timber. you got a little bit of rolling terrain. How are you using the wind in your advantage? Man, so this is kind of off from what most people like to do, but I like somewhat – of a more windy day whenever it's uh i'm hunting in the public here in northeast oklahoma because those rolling hills if you have a very light wind i promise you those winds it's swirling in there the weather channel might say it's going to be a west wind you're like oh perfect this is perfect for this stand west wind five miles an hour all right this is i'm gonna kill a deer tonight you go out and get in that stand and it'll, it'll be out of the west for three minutes it'll be out of the north for two minutes it'll be out of the east for a minute and your your sense just going everywhere. So if I can go out there and I look on the weather channel, it says 15 to 25 mile an hour winds out of the west, and west is perfect for the stand. I'm I'm going to that stand. I mean, yeah, when it's more windy, it's going to cover my my uh, my noise going into the stand. First of all, second of all, it's just you know you're going to have that definite west wind. You're not going to have to worry if it's going to swirl. So Honestly, on the, these rolling hills, a little bit more of a windy day is better on not educating those big bucks because, I mean, you get that swirl wind, I promise you that 150-inch deer is not going to come in <laughs> unless you get super hot though and she just runs by you. I mean, it's just how it is. So I like doing that. And then um, it just, I mean, playing the wind is hundred percent. And there's, yeah, like Josh said, there's some things you can do to help control your scent, but you're never going to trick a deer's nose. If he, if he's being cautious 10 times out of 10, he wins. So, yep. 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 Josh, I need you to get uh chancy to hook me up with some big buck ruiner. I keep, keep wanting to try it out, but I haven't tried it yet. I need to order some. Oh man. It, it's some good stuff. He was kind of late getting it out last year, but he got some out. And, man, I've had really good success with it. I really like it. Good, good. For those listening. It's, it's uh, awesome stuff. Yeah, we're talking about Chansey of uh, Whitetail Adrenaline. He has a, uh, a product. It's a, basically a cedar cover scent. So that's what we're referring yes. to. But, um, let's see here. Uh, y'all both co- Yeah, y'all both got that one. All right. Um, all right, so both of y'all earlier talked about uh, terrain kind of in the opening deal. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit more about it. Um, are there specific terrain features you are keying in on, um, or you know, are you, you how are you using it to your advantage? Like, are you coming over a hill when you hunt to try to keep your wind blowing? Just um, what kind of terrain are you looking for, and how do you use it? And uh, Johnny, I think it's your turn. Yeah, so I'm looking for uh, when I, I get on there. Onyx has a feature showing how the hills work, the terrain. It shows shows that so i look for um like saddles to where there's a high ridge over here and a high ridge over here to where it's just 
it funnel naturally funnels the deer into that spot. So, and then, so that's my, my number one. Um, also I'm kind of going off subject here for a minute. It's mm-hmm. something I talked to Josh about the other night. There's a, there's a guy, I'm sure you've heard of him. His name is Bill Wink or Bill Winky. Or is that, is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, With, Winky. Uh, Midwest white. Yep. Winky. Winky. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've watched his new YouTube video yet, but it's pretty, uh, pretty cool on how he killed that deer that he killed last year. I, I it watched it earlier 100. today. I think if it's the one I'm thinking of where he slept out there. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. That, I'm fascinated by it. I'm like, mm-hmm. that, that guy <laughs> did what, I mean, that's so cool because he goes and he was hunting on a ridge and he knew that if he was going to go in on that, uh, his normal route, he's going to bump these deer out of there. So he slept out there and just stayed in that spot, just to kill that buck that he knew that was in there. So I think that was really cool. But, and that's what he was doing. He was just hunting a ridge that he knew that he'd had sightings in that spot. So he knew that deer yep. was there, not going in and out. I mean, every day, bumping deer out when he goes, leaves or comes to the stand and stuff like that. So he, he stayed there, and it just that right there. So he wasn't educating that deer every time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that's that's reaching mm-hmm. like reaching a long way <laughs> to to make happen, but I mean that's just a possibility for depending on how committed somebody mm-hmm. uh, somebody is. But yeah, he had yeah, a, he had- I, I just. He had a quote in there that I I wrote down. It was, uh, if you can't get in and out clean, stay there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what he did. So. Yeah. I, I've been fascinated by it ever since that happened. Yep. Uh, that was one of the cool things. Now it's like, man, I want to do that. At some point in my hunting life, I want to just do that. Just for, regardless if I kill, kill one or not, it's just, it seems like something freaking cool like i don't know yep i've i've thought several times about you know spend the night in a a blind or something but he was just out there in a bivy sack in november in iowa that's that's pretty dang tough right there yeah yeah Yeah. all right josh what about you yeah a lot of times uh talking about the same guy in situation a lot of times uh you're going in the same way you're going in the same way to hunt as you're going in to feed and or you know on if you're on private or even if on public you're walking in the same way when you go to scout it check your trail camera you're back out and a lot of times if you do that those, those bucks know you're in there so if you can do something out of the ordinary you know the wind's coming in a little different use the terrain to come in a different way to conceal like your your um, your noise and, and uh, your scent you come in it from a different direction or a different angle or at a at just a bizarre time you're, you're going to fool that buck you're going he's not going to know what's going on he's, he's waiting for that all he's, here comes johnny at three o'clock down in the morning you know or three o'clock in the afternoon yeah it's at 10 again you know or you know it's any you know and so like just doing something out of the ordinary totally different it's bizarre it can help you but um but as far as like uh spotting and stalking flat country um if I'm going in, say that I got a big piece, you know, there's some big pieces that are, you know, thousands of acres, and um, I want to get in there early and glass some of those canyons that are way over in there that you can't see from a road. Um, and, like, I know some of these bottom fields hold deer in the mornings. I'm going to use my terrain. I'm going to come in from a totally different direction. I may have to walk two miles, but I'm not going to bust these deer in the bottom 
and then push them over the ridge and then bust the bucks that are on the backside in that rain and bust them out of there. So that's kind of like that's kind of like what the the bill was doing, sleeping in there. You're not busting the deer out of the field. So if you can use the terrain to get in, you know, whether it's a ditch or top of a ridge or something like that to get in silent, um, that's a huge key. And I, I try to use that the best that I can, especially ditches. I love if I can get an old drainage ditch, an old creek bed, old river bed, um, if I can get in those, usually there's sand in them or, or just some small rocks where you can zip through there real quiet. If I can use that, I'm, I'm going to use that every time I feel like that. I can stay low. These are the times that if the deer are up there bedded, they can't see me if I'm down in that ditch, and I can just zip right behind them. The wind don't really can't really get get me at in in that ditch either. So I, my biggest thing is I'm looking for ditches, man. If I can get in a ditch and I can I can cover some ground, move real fast to get around a deer if I need to, or just to get in and out of a place where they can't see me. You know, walking across the field and I'm man, I'm a big old blob walking up through there. Them deer see you a mile away, but if I'm down in a ditch, they can't see me. Awesome, awesome, yeah. Entry and exit, and the big, big, big things. So I think a lot of people yep. underestimate Key. that. So yeah, awesome. yep. And, and I, I still, I still sometimes I get complacent, and I'm just, I get down, and I'm just thinking about something, and you know, I missed opportunity, or I've seen a deer, and I couldn't get on him, and I just take off walking. I'm like, then I'll, real sudden, I'm like, what am I doing? I can't, I can't go this way, you know, and you know, and so, I mean, it happens. I mean, everybody does it still. Yeah. Yep. yep. And that- the entry and exit that's a big thing why i uh early season my money spots i i just don't like going to them like on public land just because i mean you're sweating it's 85 90 degrees you put those rubber boots on it's not doing any help because you're the sand's just going everywhere yeah educating that deer right where you're walking every time the second he smells that he's not sticking around he's he's gone half a mile the other direction so yeah, you, and you're wiping that you're wiping that sweat off your brow and your hands. You're touching limbs and trees going in there, and you know you got sweat falling off you sometimes, hitting the ground. I mean they they can they can, they can smell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. Awesome. All right, I got one more quick, easy question for you, and then I just thought of a, a fun little activity that I'm going to ask y'all about. So, uh, but first, real quick question: uh, early season, do you hunt mornings? Why or why not? I think Josh, you're up. Uh, yeah, I hunt, I hunt mornings. Um, I think a lot of times though, you got to catch them from, from feed to, to their bedding. If you know, if you know where they're bedding at, you got cameras up and you know where they're feeding at. I like to sit up in between and, um, that way you can catch them coming and coming and going. I don't, I don't see why it's not a, a big issue not to hunt mornings. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if it's real cool. A lot of times it's going to be cooler in the mornings than I think it is evenings, but I also think that I have more deer activity in the evenings. They're, they've just been laying all day and it's hot and whatever, and they want to get up and start moving around a little earlier. Mm-hmm. But I also think mornings are out cooler. They're out milling around. Sometimes, they might, if it's, especially if it's a little bit cooler than what it usually is, they may stay a little bit longer, and you, just, you can have that opportunity to catch them in daylight. But the weather, to me, though, the weather's got to be right. If it's 80 degrees, I'm not getting up in the morning and going hunting. Yeah. I mean, you, you just, you'll just edu- educate a deer. I don't want to, especially that big buck, you don't want to let him know he's being hunted. Mm-hmm. turns into a ghost mm-hmm. yep. Johnny, <clears throat> how about you so uh yeah i'm the same way as josh is it just kind of depends on the situation and um i know mm-hmm. this year i'm going to be hunting missouri quite a bit i've got some properties i can hunt up there because i'm a uh, 
I'm, I'm actually a member of the Mid-America Hunting Association up there. And with that, I have properties I can hunt. And so, um, anyways, there's some different properties that you can tell it's kind of a, uh, a midway point from food. Like, there's crop fields, there'll be some, whether it's corn, corn or soybeans or whatever it might be. And then there's timber. And then I've got some, a few trees that are, like, in between. So, I... I'll hunt the mornings trying to catch them going from those fields feeding all night to going to bedding. And if you can like spread it out and you can kind of figure out and sneak in in between their bedding and where they're feeding, yeah, I'll hunt that morning. Mm -hmm. But if not, I typically see more action in the evenings. So it just kind of depends. I mean, each spot is different. I mean, yeah, some. I mean, every spot is different. Like you can you can hunt some spots, and they might just be morning only spots, just because of the way the deer move. And there might be some spots that are just only evening spots, just because you don't want to go in there and bump them out of bedding. It just it all depends on the spot that you're hunting. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're right, Johnny. Yeah, I I feel like there's so many big time names in the hunting industry that it's just like a hard and fast rule. Like I don't hunt mornings in October, you know, or I don't hunt mornings till October 25th or something like that. And, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of those guys, you know, they have big managed properties. They can, they can afford to wait until the rut. And yes, you're going to have a, you know, better chance during the rut. But I, I feel, I agree with you guys. Like I feel there, like there are some situations where it can work for you. Um, one of the best situations like, you know, I personally have is a feeder set up where, uh, it's kind of out away from the thick timber where the deer bed and they basically, they come from and go back into the same spot, you know, the same direction. Uh, so if the wind's right yep. and the wind's blowing away from that timber there, you know, there's basically no chance they're going to win me. Um, and you know, so yeah, I, I'll hunt mornings. I'm not afraid to. So I just, just curious what you guys thought. So. Yeah, and yeah. another thing is, it, like you said, different situations. If I got a buck and I've had him on the camera the last three or four years, I know, and this year he say he's just a bit, I'm shooting him this year, so I want to shoot him. And he leaves every year, say he leaves like the first couple part of October. If I know that he's leaving, I'm going to be trying to hunt him you know, the first part pretty hard if I can, if the wind's right, to hunt him and try to kill him. Because, he, you know, you go on somewhere, you know where he's going, someone's probably got him on camera and hunting him too. Mm-hmm. So you dang sure want to try to get him killed for that guy, though. So, yeah, that's a situation where I'm definitely going to be hunting in the mornings and in the evening if I can. It all just it all depends on the situation. Yep, exactly. Yep. All right, I got one last little fun activity that I just thought of off the top of my head, and I wish I was a little more prepared because I, I could have sent you all a, a screenshot. But uh, uh, I mentioned on the podcast last week that I might get to be able to hunt uh, a velvet hunt in Nebraska this year. And, uh, kind of quick story. My, my sister gave me the best gift she's ever given me and she married a Nebraska (laughs) farm boy. And so I have, uh, I have 110 acres, uh, of corn, CRP and timber, uh, that I have access to now. And so, uh, I'm thinking, uh, Labor Day weekend, that first weekend of September, I'm going to use that long weekend to try to go up there and, and do a little hunting. So, um, I'll probably just have, you know, like two days, you know, I'll burn one day driving up there, get two days to hunt and drive back on my day off or that extra day. Um, but I, I'm curious to get y'all's thoughts on, uh, on this setup. And I'm, I actually have a guest, uh, uh, lined up to talk a little bit more about it, but I'm curious to get y'all's thoughts. So, uh, it's basically a square property and the way it sets up is the Western third is corn this year. That's the crop ground. 
and then the center, almost two-thirds, is CRP. And then on the eastern side, there's a deeper timber draw, you know, a little ravine with thick timber in it. And uh, I get, you know, I've been trying to kind of figure this out. Obviously, I'm not going to be able to get up there, go and scout. Um, you know, my sister, I love her to death, but she doesn't know much about deer hunting, so she's not going to be able to help me a whole lot. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people, when they think of deer bedding, they think of thick timber. Uh, but in other parts, you know, such as Nebraska, CRP is, you know, known as deer bedding. But I also know that the corn's still going to be up and deer like to bed in corn. And so I'm kind of curious, you know, without actually seeing it, but if you, hopefully y'all can kind of picture it with that, that uh, you know, mental picture I just gave you. Uh, what are what are some things y'all be looking for in that? Like, do you think they'd be in the CRP? You think they'd be in the corn? Is it worth setting up in the timber? Do you think they'll be out in the open? Uh, just curious what your thoughts are on it. <clears throat> yeah, my opinion. Um, you said that time of year. I I bet they're going to have that corn combined, and it's going to be really uh, hot and heavy because usually they start combining corn right around the first of September. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't wait until October on corn soybeans they'll wait until mid-October but corn they usually start combining it uh like early September so that cornfield should have still a lot of corn out in it so the deer are probably going to be out there if I were you if I could get up there that first day before dark and you have a vantage point where you can sit from the road and glass mm-hmm. and that way you'll still have two full days to hunt if you can uh just see where those deer are hitting that cut cornfield. Just just sit from a vantage point and see what the deer are doing, and go from there. And you see, say you see some deer come out in this very far corner over there. You'll be like, well, they'll probably do that again tomorrow evening. Mm-hmm. Or that's probably that's what I would do. So just if you can get up there in time to do that. If not, then I mean you're, go, you're going to Plan B and you're getting on Onyx and you're going to see. Man, what would I do if I was that deer? Mm-hmm. And just go and go from there. Yep. Josh, what you think? Man, uh, what I would do is when I got up there, I would not know how it lay. I mean, you said it's a square, and I don't know if there's, is there a road all the way around it. Uh, on two sides, on the south and the west. So it's road, okay. corn, CRP, trees. What I would do, if you can't, if you don't want to park your car, with, you know, right there on the side of the road or whatever, I would maybe hang a stand right where I can see the cornfield and where I can see that CRP maybe the first morning in glass and just watch and see if, if there's stuff moving, especially if the corn's still up. You want to look for racks in there, uh, moving around, and that CRP is just, it's really tall. It's kind of use that first morning. I mean, you're burning tomorrow, but I mean, you're getting you're you're going to gain a lot of knowledge knowing if there's deer in that corn or bed in that CRP. And heck, if they're bedding that CRP, take some light colored clothing, put in the wind right, windy up there, put a stalk on one. That's true. Um, and I know a lot of deer love bedding in corn, and like especially milo too. They they can lay below them stalks in that cool dirt, and so it's up. You're probably going to have some deer bedding in there, but they're going to be they're going to be moving in and out of there. But for the most part, um, I think they like that CRP a little bit better because the wind can blow through there a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's me, I'm I'm gonna try I'm gonna try to time it maybe where I get up there that first evening and I can I can glass like John said maybe from the road along from a long ways away with the spot and scope in between the CRP and the corn 
And, you know, I may drive around a little bit on kicking glass on the other side and just see if anything's crossing the road, you know, and that's another thing you can do is just drive that drive around it and look, look at the ditches, see if the, see if the, the deer are crossing in a certain spot, they could be bedding on a neighboring property and crossing the road on, onto that corn or coming through that, coming through that, uh, repeat of dead but they're going to spend a day across the road mm-hmm. and maybe you can sit up in between that so if you can get a day if you got to burn half a day or or, or morning or if you can't time it right to do just a little bit of recon and i think that will increase your odds a, a, a ton that's just my opinion yeah yeah i agree too yep that's kind of my plan I, I i doubt i'm going to be able to make it up there before dark uh that first day but yeah i think that first morning is probably going to be a a recon morning and and kind of play it from there so uh, i'm uh, yeah, and, as, and as what i'm gonna say you have, have your uh i mean have your uh, brother-in-law and sister just drive through their girls in the evenings and they can they can see if they're doing that crp or if, yeah. they're, or if they're coming out of that corn mm-hmm. you know especially right before you get up there they'll know if it's cut or whatever and heck uh another thing you might do is talk to your brother-in-law and uh, say, hey, you got any buddies that, that, that are farming and see how much land they got? Hey, uh, you <laughs> think he let, might let me hunt? Yep. I mean, you never know, man. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be taking more advantage of this in the future. Uh, just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty limited on vacation time this year and uh, kind of just all this come about, you know, fairly recently. So, uh, so yeah, I'm definitely going to be diving into it more. But um, that, that weekend just kind of worked out. Uh, my wife has plans. She's going to take our little baby. So, uh, got an open weekend and uh yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna go for it and uh probably, probably yes, i would probably shoot need one oppor- you just need one opportunity man yeah yeah probably shoot a deer way smaller than i would normally shoot but that's okay with me i, I think it's gonna be a fun adventure so you gotta start as long as you're having fun don't matter that's, that's right. right that's right awesome well we're uh we're about to come up on time here so i want to give you guys a uh, a second to have some closing statements i think both of you had a, a little announcement you'd like to do so um johnny if you want to go first and kind of close us out and uh just you can say whatever you feel like you need to say yeah so i just wanted to touch base with you guys and let everyone know that so here recently i uh have partnered with a company called antler edge and they uh have a product that's a really good attractant it comes in, I believe, a seven-pound bag, and it's just a mix of soy. I believe it's soy, uh, peanuts, and corn, and it's just—it's a really good attractant. And um, anyways, you can't use that on public, unfortunately, obviously. But <laughs> for your spots that are public, I mean, it's—it'll be a nice little edge. And uh, I'm very excited to be partnered with them and help them push that brand. And um, I'm also going to be working the uh, NWTF deer conference coming up on the 13th of august so if any of you guys feel like coming out there i'm going to be doing lots of interviews with lots of random people and just kind of touching base with everybody and it's gonna be a really fun event and then i know josh has the uh, expo coming up that i'm gonna, i'm actually going to go and see it uh on the 12th and just kind of walk around and check that out as well so if you see me either of those places come out and say say hey and visit a little while awesome awesome josh how about you yeah like uh like johnny said we got an expo coming up i i recently kind of teamed up with uh outdoor nation expo or outdoor nation tv and um the outdoor nation expo it's at the fire lake arena uh in shawnee oklahoma it's it's friday august 12th from 1 to 9 p.m and saturday august 13th from 10 a.m to 9 p.m 
it's free for everyone. Um, it's all all weekend. Um, there's a ton of free things to do for everyone of all ages. Um, indoor archery shooting or bow fishing. They got extreme animals like kangaroos, snakes, all kinds of other animals. Um, there's a kid's catfish tank. I believe they can catch some catfish out of there with little rod and reels. Um, they do the fetch and fish high flying dog show there. They got a noodling demo demonstration, uh, flatheads pulling flatheads out of tanks and a big clear tank. It's pretty cool. Um, we have tons of vendors, food trucks, as well as the Fire Lake Hot Air Balloon Festival um, that's going to be going on there. And also, we still have some vendor spots. If anybody's looking and wanting to join, uh, join and set a booth up or whatever, you guys can get on the website, OutdoorNationExpo.com, and uh, reserve a uh, booth. And uh, also, we're in our – they are. I just joined them. So they're in their fourth season of Outdoor Nation TV, and it airs on uh, channel um, 52 – and 52 weeks a year on KSBI Channel 52 as well in Oklahoma City. And uh, so, yeah, you guys uh, check it out. I need to come check it out. It's going to be awesome. Awesome. Perfect, guys. This was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad we got to do this. Thank you guys for coming on. And uh, hopefully we'll get you all on some more in the future, and uh, especially after you all kill a big buck this fall. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. It's going to that's going to be cool. tough for me. I, I didn't draw a Kansas, so I'll be in Oklahoma all year. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, same here. Gotcha. Yep. I, uh, sorry, I know I was about to shut it down, but uh, I, I got a Kansas point burning a hole in my <laughs> pocket, and I got now I now have five Iowa points. Um, things just no, keep, nice. like other hunts just keep getting in the way. Like I'm going to, to Colorado on a elk hunt this November. So that kind of pushed them all off. And oh, so I'm jealous. one of these days, I'm just going to take the whole month of November off and go all out on whitetails and have, you know, the season of a lifetime. <laughs> one of these yep. days, one of these days. All right. Well, Johnny yep. and Josh, thank you guys for coming on today. And, uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. See you, man. Sounds good. Man, it's awesome to talk a little deer hunting again. Absolutely great episode. Thank you, Johnny and Josh, for coming on. Uh, like I said at the beginning, for, for kind of a last-second deal, uh, that turned out amazing. So special thanks to those guys for coming on here and, and sharing all their tips and tricks with us. I also forgot to mention at the beginning of this here podcast my amazing sponsors. Uh, and so huge, huge shout-out to Arrowhead Land Company, Deer Lab, and private water fishing. Those guys turn the wheels on this here bus and make this show possible. So please go check them out. Um, I, I hate that I forgot them. And, uh, and so I definitely wanted to shout them out here at the end. So thank you guys for all, everybody who listens to this, continues to support it. Um, like I said, check out the Deer Expo and the Deer Conference coming up this August. Um, come see me. Say hi. I'll probably bring a few hats and shirts along with me just in case anybody wants to pick one of those up. And, uh, and that's going to do it for this week, guys. So, like you said, thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Thank you for supporting it. We have several awesome guests already lined up for the next couple weeks. Uh, and one of those actually even works for Meat Eater. So, huge guests coming up. Thank you guys for everybody who's listened to this. And I will see you guys next week.